Eat nuts and kick butts, all our buddies. The Squirrel Scouts of America are once again in session. This meeting brought to you by Quiz Club. Question, Quiz Club? Answer, yes. I, for my part, am Squirrel Scout Double Dare. Who joins me here? Nobody. <laughs> Absolutely no one. I'm a Squirrel what? Scout meeting of one. It won't be the first time and it won't be the last. The club The club had three members. It's lost two of them since the last episode. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. So welcome back to me talking about Squirrel Girl for an hour, folks. Squirrel Scout Space Cadet. And Squirrel Scout Bubbles. Thank you, my fellow Squirrel Scouts. And welcome once again. This week uh, we read Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number two, number one, which is something we'll get to. Okay, so Marvel has this I I read it and that just hurt my brain. (laughs) Yeah, Marvel has this habit of, like, rebooting and relaunching not only, like, continuities and storylines, but their count numbers with them. So, the original run of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl from 2015 got, I think, 15 issues? Something like that? And then it continued. The story was contiguous. Like, there wasn't any any story or continuity reboot, but they had to reboot the number. So, it has it has number 1 through 15 twice Unless yeah. we're talking about the collected <laughs> omnibus editions, which are the ones that we're reading on Comicsology, in which case I think they're renumbered. It's real bad. It's real bad. Oh, it's boy. like uh, when I was when I started reading Yusagi Yojimbo, which is this uh, really great manga about uh, a samurai rabbit, and it's it's been going for like forty years, and it's really good. But it's also been owned by like six different publishers who all have their own different internal volume numbering systems. And it's like, well, when Dark Horse owned it, they considered these in keeping with this storyline. But then when it moved over to Fantagraphics, it's real bad. <laughs> That's a way and too much. And it's one of the reasons. Exactly, <laughs> it's one of the reasons that comics is an extremely intimidating hobby to get into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, this seems pretty. This seems pretty straightforward, though. I mean, there's just like. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. There, there, there's just one series, right? It's one continuous story for the, this time. Correct. It started in 2015 and then ended yes, last year. Yes, it started in 2015 and then they did the number reboot. So it's it's technically a different series, but it's the same story. And also they had one standalone graphic novel uh, called Squirrel Girl Beats Up the Marvel Universe, which mm-hmm. uh, yeah. is canon, but is sort of just like a fun little side story. Uh, in which okay. I believe we meet Squirrel Girl's evil twin from the uh, from the negative universe, which is a lot of fun. Nice. Well, don't we all have one? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, last time uh, we were told that the worst that could happen was about to, and so we are introduced in the beginning here to Galactus, his star sphere, and his world-eating ways. Now, did either of you, who are roughly of an age with me, was your primary... My primary experience with Galactus was like from the old like silver surfer or fantastic four cartoons like from the early 90s that's the I've only never heard of galactus that's like my, in my only life. experience with galactus so yeah fair enough you had no <laughs> idea what a galactus was I did that's not. fair that's reasonable uh he's a great big purple guy and yeah. him real bad in fact yeah. when i saw the picture of him in the comic i thought i was like is that the guy from x-men <laughs> so that's reasonable that's where i'm at <laughs> yeah, no, he bears a not unremarkable resemblance to the Sentinels, yep. which are the um, the yeah. mutant hunting. Which were also present robots. in another good old 90s Marvel cartoon. <laughs> Certainly they were. And I think they might make an appearance later sometime in this story, because this is definitely in that same continuity. Although I don't know how genocide robots fit in with Squirrel Girl's <laughs> admittedly lighter uh, tone. They'll find a way. Anyway, they'll find a way. 
So we're back at old Empire State University. Uh, Doreen is trying to convince Nancy to attend an orientation. Nancy is resisting, as is her way. I think not so much because she doesn't want to go, but because she doesn't want to be made to go. Yeah. yeah <laughs> she's very right. much a, like... She's very extremely independent. Like, everything I... It has to be my idea. Like, I will yeah. only do what I want to do. She's like a contrarian, <laughs> just by yeah, nature. Yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah. Nancy, you really want to start your college career by breaking the rules? Yes, actually. That sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds awesome. It sounds like someone awesome would do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, they're checking out the clubs, and these were a lot of fun. I don't know how much you guys are, are used to looking for things like this, but... um. One of the things that Ryan North and Erica Henderson are really good at is just inserting fun little jokes here and there, especially among, like, the names of all the clubs. Oh, mm-hmm. totally. Like, there's... Yeah. Yeah. Quiz Club, there was the Social Justice Club and the Social Injustice Club are, like, <laughs> butted up against each other. Yeah. I mean, I immediately found the Get Together and Eat Cookies Once a Week Club and was like, I'm in. It's not real, but I'm in. <laughs> the eye is drawn to it, for real. If we can defictionalize one of these clubs, it would be dope. Uh, Nancy goes off to investigate Tattoo Club, uh, giving us possibly my favorite panel of the entire issue. Doreen picturing Nancy with her sleeve pulled up and just a bicep tattoo reading, I heart cool roommates. Yeah. (laughs) It was good. And that's, it's so sweet. And that's, (laughs) I think, Doreen's core thing is that she really just wants, and it sounds really, like, reductive and simple to say she just wants everyone to get along, but, like, Mm. she really thinks everyone is incredible. And she's like, this person's going to love me. I just have to figure out how. Right. And I mean, no, but that's not even, like, a comic book cartoon character thing. Like, I know real people like that. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, It's great. (laughs) I love them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's, that's a big part of growing as a person is realizing that not everyone's going to like you, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it is. But Mm -hmm. then again, not all of us are Doreen Green. Do y'all got any tattoos? I would guess Casey doesn't. Well, I think you already told me you didn't. Andrew? I'm going to let you you try and figure it out. I don't think so. I would honestly be surprised if he didn't. (laughs) Yeah? Not because I think Andrew's like a nerd or anything, but like he kind of (laughs) is. Oh, no, he definitely is. (laughs) How does that? I know plenty of nerds that have lots of tattoos, though. I don't know which which way you're intending this. (laughs) No, I don't know. I have no idea. It's really hard to guess. Um, So I'll just... I'll clear up the mystery. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't have any. <laughs> oh, all right. The oh. primary reason being because I came to New York to pursue acting. So, like, sure. at oh, that yeah, time, that's I was kind of like, that's going to pigeonhole me in certain ways. Um, I'm not doing yeah. it anymore, though, really. And I will admit that, like, I have strongly considered it now. And um, hopefully my mother never listens to this episode because she'll faint immediately. But <laughs> if I get one, I'm pretty sure it's yeah. going to be, like, an entire sleeve. Oh, nice. Oh, <laughs> I don't nice. think That'd I would go ass. small. I think I would just yeah. go all the way. Go big or like go home. Links. Heck yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That rules. Probably Any... with nerdy things, but you know. Oh yeah, no, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I would have guessed like a musical theater reference. Probably. No, absolutely never. That's not going on <laughs> in my right. body. Nope. <laughs> no musical theater. <laughs> Fuck that. Fair enough. <laughs> no, I don't have any either. Um, when my kitty cat Denmark J cat sets off uh, for the undiscovered country when, whenever that may be I'm gonna get uh, his paw print on there mm. which Aww, is yes. only tacky when it's not my cat's paw print so it's true yeah. <laughs> when it's yes. your cat's paw print it's precious yeah now I love that concept yeah yeah I also really want a night in the woods uh, tattoo because mm. that is my favorite game and it is uh you know what's interesting is a, a lot of people apparently found that game at times where they really needed it. Um, have you played it, Andrew? 
I have not, but I've heard You've similar uh, reactions to you, it. You both would like it, yeah. Um, mm. And it's it's very sweet and kind of melancholy and uh, funny as hell. And anyway, it's just uh, I found it at a time when I really needed it, like right when I started to get my mental health under control. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. Uh, the, the the town in the in the game is called Possum Springs, and there is graffiti everywhere that says uh, "Nuke Possum Springs." So I think. I think a, a tattoo of, like, hashtag Nuke Possum Springs or something somewhere would mm-hmm. be pretty good. Mm-hmm. But also, like, because you don't want – it's – you don't have to explain your tattoo to anybody, no. obviously. But it also helps not to have something that you don't have to explain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought about mine a lot. And like, yeah. in every – like, what it could every possible scenario be that I – like, and how would I deal with it? It's just like, you know, it, it it's a – people are just nosy. People are nosy. That's why. So 100%. They are. Yeah. You're at a job interview, and someone's like, so your arm here. And, and Nick says, let me tell you a little bit about a little show called Deep Space Nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me give you a full plot Nick- synopsis of the entire show. <laughs> and I knew I had no problem doing that if I needed to or wanted to. So – I mean, that's fair. <laughs> went ahead. Yeah. The Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Nick, what? Tell us about what was getting a tattoo. Like, was it because I've heard that it's I've heard it range from not that bad to worse than I could physically have imagined. Like like pain wise, purely purely. Yeah. Um, well, I have a pretty high pain tolerance, but um, even given that, it really wasn't that much. Like if you ever got like it, it really felt like just a really tiny electric shock each time because he had a he had, he was using a tattoo gun. Um, and it really was, it was much less painful than I thought it was going to be. Even the healing afterwards was kind of just like, it was a little bit sore, kind of like how a bruise is, but it it wasn't that bad. But of course, if you're really sensitive to pain, it might be different, but for me, it it really wasn't. And again, it's just some writing. Um, so like it, it wasn't a huge, like there wasn't anything to like fill in or anything where it was just poking over and over in the same spot. That's where I think it gets the most painful just because it's annoying. Mm. Uh, but I didn't really have to deal with that. So it was like, it, it kind of hurt a tiny bit, but it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Fair enough. Yeah. And that's so. the only one you've got, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, and that's a deep space nine quote. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you are the dreamer and the dream in like a typewriter text and it's got a sure. star on each side. The stars were actually an afterthought, um, which I was really like. That'd be a really uh, I, good, like, indie I, rock band. Right, because I thought about the quote for years before I got the tattoo, but I didn't think about the stars until afterwards. But I'm glad I did it, because it, it borders it really nicely. And stars are, go. like, a big motif for me just throughout my whole life, kind of. Um, yeah. And I definitely want to get... I don't want to get a ton of tattoos, but I do want to get one on the other arm, just because I like to be for balanced. Balance. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> and that one's going to well, be a oh, totally themed one, so... Uh, I don't know what when exactly. We finish but... the final pod bloom. Right? We'll have to <laughs> if get we one. ever finish the final pod bloom, yeah. <laughs> we'll finish it. It's just that we're in a very stressful time right now, and reading yeah. a, an issue of a goofy comic book is a lot easier and more fun than taking notes on a forty-page murder story. <laughs> Forty pages. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I took a stab at a number. <laughs> anyway. So they're there at the club scene. A wild Tomas appears, and Doreen Green puts on yet another of her many uh, identities: Mad Crushin, Private Eye. <laughs> yeah, good thing she's yeah. registered Tomas in her Pokedex before now. Only his first name, though. Only his first name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Wouldn't that be wild if you had to capture multiple Pokemon to get 
more and more information about them. That actually wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, that was that there was a game that I played that was like <laughs> <laughs> past form is the correct example. No, there was a game I played when I was like little, little. It was on like just to to date myself. It was on a floppy disk. It was that kind of game. Sure. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't remember what it was called, but I know that you were, like, some detective, and you were going into a school because one of the students was, like, causing mischief. I don't remember exactly what he was doing. I just know he was a problem. or something, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and he was, like, a a really smart science student, so he had all these robots that followed him. Sure. And so there were five robots, and basically every night you would go in to try and catch him, and he was disguised as one of the robots. And you Mm -hmm. had to, when the robots would appear, take pictures of them with, like, a camera— and mm-hmm. every time you took a picture, you would get more info about the robots that would help you figure out if that's huh. a real robot or him. Oh and so that's God. what that immediately made me think of. And Nice. That's thank wild. you for the nostalgia. I'm going to have to find that you game. You got to go look that up now. You got to go. <laughs> that's what right. I'm going to do for the rest of my night. That sounds fun and also terrifying. Yeah, it was weird and I was scared of it, but also had a lot of fun. Because <laughs> mm. the robots would just appear very suddenly and the sound was not like well blended so you would just like right. it would just be like do, 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 and I'd be like Jesus yeah. Christ <laughs> yeah walk walk That's walk awesome. walk robot pretty much um, so Doreen is consistently really kind to and supportive of herself um, if you're not a person who's into because like I mean, liberal is not the word I'm going for, but, like, this mm. is a comic that strains for inclusiveness and kindness and goodness, and uh, I don't know, it just shows up a lot, and I could see I could see people of a certain mindset thinking that this comic was kind of trying really hard in a, like, you know, overhanded, try-hard kind of way, but I think it is really just an emotionally honest kind of thing, and she, she says to herself, Doreen, you've barely been here a day. And you're already making friends with people who haven't been assigned to live with you. You're awesome. (laughs) Which is true. And I think, I mean, we could develop worse habits than to just, because, I mean, when you you have mental health issues or just low self-esteem or whatever, one of the things they tell you is, like, treat yourself like you would treat a friend who Mm -hmm. was going through something hard or not being fair to themselves or, or whatever. And we tell ourselves that we don't believe that, but Doreen is like, she's like legit her own best friend in a really good way. Mm-hmm. Um, not being, not being a great friend to Tomas because he is talking about fencing club and she is having an internal monologue all through it until Nancy grabs her, uh, and zoinks off to the bathroom. Honestly, like just to give her shit about this, like, right. There's no ulterior. <laughs> yeah. Anything. Kinda. Kind of just getting in her business. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a huge thing with, uh, I, I really like uh, the self-talk, uh, the, the inner monologue of Doreen. It's, uh, it's very refreshing and it's, uh, it's actually legitimately something that you learn in therapy in, uh, it's an element of, uh, cognitive beha- behavioral therapy where really? you, you listen to your own, the way you talk to yourself basically, and like forcibly try to change it. Like mm, if you right say on. something like, oh, I'm so stupid, I could have done this then you take that thought and you're like, well, look at what you did do, though, and maybe tell yourself that, like, hey, look at that, though, that was great, and then just kind of, like, shift it, and you have to do it over and over again, so it's very difficult and frustrating. It's not easy at all, but, like, once you actually do it enough, it's one of those things like meditation where if you practice enough, uh, it it becomes a little more easy to do, and it's, uh, it was, yeah, it was great to, like, actually see a character. I'm sure that's not, like, what, that it was just, like, she's just a, like, cute kind of nice person but um it's yeah it's like you you see a lot of characters i think 
who do the opposite of that, who are really down on mm-hmm. themselves and just insecure, and then eventually they, you know, uh, grow and get better as the story progresses. But like to see someone who just starts off kind of like that is kind of it's yeah. kind of nice. Yeah, I would also venture though that a lot of like creators and authors have insecurities i feel like creators and artists especially as a community tend towards that and so maybe that's just the only character they know how to write the perspective of yeah yeah Yeah. maybe yeah that's true because like me looking at this is kind of like oh i'm not in doreen at all i've never said nice things to myself right (laughs) like i can't relate to any of this yeah yeah (laughs) which is what makes the character a gamble because when you're, you know, creating content or media of any kind, if you've got a main character, the idea mechanically is that the main character is sort of your reader avatar or someone with whom they can identify in theory. Mm-hmm. And like, it's it's a lot easier for a lot of people to identify with someone who doesn't really like themselves that much than it is with someone who, because we're taught that to like yourself or to think that you're good at stuff is automatically the same as like conceit and egotism. Yeah. And that's not, mm-hmm. that's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, to find to find it in balance like that, where Doreen has positive but not conceded uh, opinions and esteem, is very rare. It's a, it's a very strange and difficult balance, and they struck it perfectly here. But mm-hmm. it is also a big gamble because, as you said, it's it's not it doesn't make her an inhabitable character, mm-hmm. which yeah. means that we're not supposed to be her. We're supposed to be Nancy, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. If you're lucky, <laughs> if I'm anyone, probably Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Um, anyway, so Nancy makes uh, she, she just she gives as as it is said gives her the business, and uh, Doreen almost calls it quits. She says, "Okay, Doreen, you've died of embarrassment. You are dead now. All you can do is start a new life at some other school with some new identity. Yes, from now on, you will be Sally McAwesome Legs. It is the only reasonable option left." <laughs> <laughs> and, and even in her defeat. Even in quitting this school she just started, she's like, I'm a failure, but also, I got gams for days. So, let's take that into account. She's also, she's clearly a character of extremes. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, this one hundred. thing went wrong. Quit school. Done. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she she's a, a character of hyperbole. And one of the things I, I always gravitate to um, in any story as I think Nick and I have probably talked about on the final problem, is the character who is least, like, tightly bound by the rules that make that world work. Um, If you've ever watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Gina Linetti is an excellent example. Um, Or Frasier's agent, BB. Or uh, Dale Gribble, I think, is another really good one. Like, characters who who just don't seem to work quite the same way the rest of the world they inhabit does. Mm. And I think... Doreen is kind of a rare example of a main character who works like that because she she sees how the world works and how she thinks it should work and just decides oh no 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 this is gonna work the way I think it should and then it does and that's just what's gonna happen <laughs> I think it's does. more because yeah. we have like the the world building of such like I mean it's grounded in reality she's just going to a right. school she's going in like these everyday locations so it's more that yeah. like they've created Doreen as a literal foil to the natural world <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah because everything yeah. else is pretty realistic, yeah. yeah. She's just the superhero yeah. plopped in the middle Forgiven of like values of realistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not one of the wilder Marvel worlds. He says as the giant eternal space god descends to chompify the planet. <laughs> um, oh, I I did want to speak just briefly that uh, speaking to mental health and insecurities. There's actually another Marvel comic called The Unstoppable Wasp that uh, deals with Nadia Pym, who is Hank Pym, uh, the original Ant Man's 
daughter from the Red Room, which is the same place that trained Black Widow to be an assassin. It's a whole complicated thing. But the point is, she's uh, this adorable, bubbly, super bright and happy, like, assassin, essentially. <laughs> nice. Who escaped, yeah, who escaped and just wants to come to America, and she just wants to do science. That's all she wants. Action science. Yeah, it's really good. And uh, much like this, it's very positive and inclusive. But like, it's she's focused specifically on assembling a group of overlooked um, girl scientists of color. And it's fucking radical. I recommend it unreservedly, The Unstoppable Wasp. But there is an arc where she realizes... Uh, yeah, it's in my Comixology library, which I uh, would mm. allow you access to if that would not clearly violate Comixology's terms of service. So, oh, yeah, what we are you talking about? That. Get your own, Nicholas. <laughs> I'm going out and buying first editions of all these comic issues. <laughs> there it is. Uh, the hardcovers. There is uh, there is an arc in that comic where Nadia, like her, she, she's always been kind of a manic depressive sort of thing. Like she goes and goes and goes and then crashes, but she just goes and won't stop ramping up and can't. And she has what they realize afterward is literally a bipolar manic episode. Like mm. she's diagnosed afterward and she starts going to therapy and wow. she, it does, it does real damage <laughs> to the friends and relationships that she's like spent the whole series up to that point building up and it yeah. treats it. I mean, this is a world with superheroes and like, yeah, she can shrink because pim particles and, and whatnot and mm-hmm. mega science and stuff. But like it does frame it in this very relatable um, way and handles it, I think really respectfully and in a way that will make a lot of people reading it feel that their problems are realistic and and grounded because mm-hmm. i mean that's the whole thing is i don't know that trailed off somewhere but anyway i'm just very impressed with how art in general and comics in particular are tackling a lot of things like self-esteem with dorian and like mm-hmm. mental health anyway. no but like uh no that's really true because you do see a lot of uh characters in media in uh, in other i can't really speak for comics but uh tv and right. uh everything uh where characters clearly have something up with them but they never actually outright say they have bipolar or they have depression it's just they're acting very depressed or xyz but it's never explicitly stated uh as as one thing or another and like very rarely do we see characters actually in therapy and have it not be some kind of either like funny or just like not very what gone into um, right. So yeah, or like that, they that... went one time and then they were fixed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not yeah. That yeah. Works. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's very rare to see it kind of as like a ongoing uh thing that affects a character long term. They you kind of see a little bit of it with I promise this is the only time I'll mention Star Trek in this episode, but you kind of see it a little bit with O'Brien um in Deep Space Nine after he goes through uh a like a uh, situation where he he gets stuck long in stretch. like yeah, yeah. prison for a long time. Yeah. And he gets, uh, like, a four... I, I, I guess it's, like, PTSD or something uh, from it. Mm-hmm. And they actually go into him uh, working through that and getting medicated for it. And in yeah. in later episodes, like, it's brought up again and stuff. And he's not just, like, magically fine after that episode. It is, you know, shown as, like, an ongoing healing process. And it's really cool. That's, like, rare to see, but it's nice. It is. And it's important to see, too. I don't know why they heaped it all on O'Brien, but it seems like they did because even <laughs> yeah. before that, like at 
Well, at the beginning of DS9, when the whole, like, when tensions with the Cardassians were really, like, beginning to mount, they talked about how he was some hero of the, the previous Cardassian War, about how mm-hmm. he had a body count, you know, in the dozens, mm-hmm. and uh, how he talked about he didn't hate the Cardassians, he hated what they turned him into. Mm-hmm. And there was some real, you know, like, so, and I don't claim to speak for any military people, obviously, yeah. but... um that's I, I would have to imagine that you bring stuff home with you if you if you do something like that and that it's and because that's the thing O'Brien is a he's a he's an irascible grumpy character the whole time and it's really easy to say oh he's just a curmudgeon but like sometimes somebody's just a curmudgeon and sometimes they have deep seated <laughs> mental problems yeah. and need help recalibrating them yeah. like a mechanic or an engineer would do right irony my he can fix a space station but not his heart <laughs> one of my personal theories is that uh the reason why specifically o'brien and kira as characters suffer the most in that series is because those two actors are fucking amazing and then they can like yeah. really <laughs> it's like handed to the ones that can that. actually do like, it you know what <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. So. um nana visitor is probably the strongest actor on that show we are She's not so letting <laughs> another episode of our podcasts also i love how you said that this was going to be your only star trek reference like we didn't just talk about your star trek tattoo that's that that was going to be my only one even though it's the second one already (laughs) i don't know i love you guys i also just don't believe you i think it's going to come up again that's fair i believe he believes it but i mean i mean there's space there's space later on guys what else is he going to talk about right all right So they're in the bathroom. Uh, Tippy-toe arrives to tell Doreen that uh, Galactus and his star sphere are approaching with um, Deadpool's Guide to Supervillain Accessories, card two mm-hmm. of 1622. Um, this is maybe my favorite. I love the favorite. footnote on this page, yeah. God, it was <laughs> yeah. so good. Because <laughs> the first the screen, no, you just see Tippy-toe, like, running into the, like, splayed out against the glass of the window. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, cute. I guess that's how... You know, Tippy was trying to get Doreen's attention. No, no, no. She thought she was going to burst through. <laughs> yep. The glass shattering dramatically to announce her oh. news. Nope. Just it was everything I wanted. <laughs> I love the undertext. I love the footnotes so much. Mm. Um, they're, they're such a big part of the flavor and the spirit of the book to me. And uh, I'm really glad. I, I don't know if Ryan North had to fight for that, but I'm glad he did if he had to. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, we have now, Deadpool has licensed to his name at least, at minimum, two separate sets of cards. Because Deadpool, Deadpool's Guide to Supervillains and Deadpool's Guide to Supervillain Accessories. Does this shock you separate. about Deadpool, though? No, it yeah. makes sense. I, I have a question about that. Does Deadpool, okay, does he have, like, a writer... That, are they just using Deadpool? How do they get the rights for all these? Is it just because they're all in the same universe? Because he's a Marvel character? Yes. So they can just use, they can yep. reference any Marvel. Okay, got it. Sorry. I didn't know how that Correct. Whole <laughs> thing worked. <laughs> but Yeah, but. they're all Marvel. Well, and actually the, the intricacies of that are, are actually really interesting when you get to other media. Um, mm-hmm. For example, in the early 2000s, famously, X-Men uh, was licensed f- from Marvel to Fox exclusively and Spider-Man to Sony exclusively, mm-hmm. which is why uh, until the big merger that happened in the last few years, all of the Marvel Cinematic Studios and all the you know Avengers series movies that they made legally could not feature Spider-Man or the, um, or the X-Men, which is why in Age of Ultron, uh, you had two characters... Um, who were clearly supposed to be 
um, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, mm-hmm. who were um, in in the comics, they were the children of Magneto, like <laughs> that guy. Oh wow! And they they couldn't refer to them that way. They had to call mm-hmm. them Pietro and um, Wanda. Was that it? I'm pretty sure it's Wanda. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Wanda. Uh, so they they had to have them be legally distinct, but clearly the same character. Um, mm-hmm. And then Sony lent Spider-Man back for Civil War, which was a good move. And then we got the good Spider-Man movies. I just rewatched Far From Home yesterday. That's a ton of fun. Yeah, I didn't see any of the new ones. Uh, I have not I, either. I kind of, I kind of stopped after. Uh, well, I saw, I saw the old ones with. Um, the old ones. The original Spider-Man the old movies, ones. still from the 2000s. Yeah, still yeah. from the, the ancient, <laughs> the classic films, the, the classic noir films, the black Bush and white era. Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah the silent um, movie ones. The one that was carved, <laughs> it was carved into a large piece of rock that was just moved past you to indicate. Oh, movies. I saw. Yeah, 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 I saw Charlie Chaplin as Spider-Man. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin is my favorite Spider-Man. Yes. Oh Buster God. Keaton as Dr. Octopus. That would be great. Wait, I, would I would watch, watch this, though. <laughs> I would, too. Abbott and Costello is Bumbling Henchman. Oh, right? Boy. Yeah, no, but I saw the older Spider- the 2000 Spider-Man movies, and then I saw Spider-Verse, but I haven't seen any Andrew Garfield. I haven't seen any of those guys or the other kid, so the, I don't know. The two, uh, I, I don't know from the Andrew Garfield. I feel like everyone just kind of gave that series a miss, but uh, <laughs> the new Tom Holland ones, the ones that are mm-hmm. in canon with the MCU, are so much fun and they are so sweet and funny and uh they do a really good job which uh is also one of the reasons i love this comic we're reading because they scale it back down he's Mm -hmm. he's not you know defeating multiversal he's not preventing a continent from crashing to the earth he's the friendly neighborhood spider-man because he's still a high school kid and they make uh one of the smartest moves i have ever seen any of these movies make they don't make us watch uncle ben die again we know we get it <laughs> yeah uncle ben's dead it's fine we, just know. we know who it's Shoot, maybe sad Spider-Man maybe is. i'll give him a watch <laughs> yeah. now yeah that sounds good yeah they're they're a lot of fun and i really recommend them they're yeah. good cool but this bit where tippy is telling dorian what's going on has what i think is my favorite line in the entire issue mm-hmm. uh, he's she's talking about how there's this stealth field that's preventing anyone from realizing galactus <laughs> oh is approaching but he forgot to make it work on squirrels <laughs> So every other animal is immune, but, <laughs> yes, but just, no one ever remembers the squirrels. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to which Dorian replies, "Okay, dude, don't get mad at me. Obviously, I think about squirrels all the time." <laughs> <laughs> which would sound like hollow, hollow implacatory from anyone else, but we know for a fact it's true here. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. yeah, just the idea that like Galactus had to go through and like manually check the box next to every animal. <laughs> every right, single right, animal. Let's see. Yeah. Bats bats have echolocation. Exactly. Let's not let them see it. Um, no. Aardvarks. <laughs> Definitely. Two A's Seal- in your name? Seal-a-camps. Absolutely not. Can't see this. Absol- bush babies. Uh, somebody And like there's a minion there who's just like, Galactus, if you just click the first one and then you scroll all the way down and you just hold shift <laughs> and click the last one. Like, <laughs> Gets all of them. What? <laughs> you think I'm made of shifting? Like, right. I just learned what the enter key was. Get away from me. <laughs> so there's only one solution. Much like Kennedy before us, we go to the gosh darned moon. Yeah. And of course. Doreen. Yeah, naturally. Why wouldn't we? Uh, it's I feel like if he's big enough Dor- to eat planets, he's too big to stand on the moon, but I'm not. <laughs> not an it's expert. a reasonable concern. <laughs> It's, it's as far as I know, point. the moon is smaller than Earth. <laughs> My dear sir, dear right. Ryan North and Erica Henderson, I take issue with the 
with these scaling I'm going to Neil deGrasse Tyson your Squirrel Girl comic here. I think, actually, <laughs> this wouldn't work because... Also, I need to just say that I got really confused for a long time. I definitely know what their names are, but I thought you said Ryan North America Henderson. <laughs> it's like, one name. What weird middle name joke did he just make? <laughs> I mean, oh, it's like good. as opposed to Ryan Europe Henderson, who's very exactly. different. <laughs> yes, his, well, and his twin brother Canadian, Ryan South so I'd America. Be curious to know. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> Ryan Brazil Henderson. Oh, oh man. Uh, is Squirrel so, Girl Canadian? Is, is, yes, Squirrel Girl has oh. uh, dual citizenship, actually, which like, is... Like uh, canonically? With, <laughs> yeah, canonically. Oh, wow, it's all right. it'll, it'll, <laughs> sure. It'll come up later. Um, okay. And I think Canada is actually one of the few countries with which the U.S. Uh, allows dual citizenship, mm-hmm. so that's cool. Yeah. Because it would be real, real awkward if we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> They're, like, right there, yeah. So Dorian's plan is to get to the moon via the Squirrela gig, which is... A squirrel helicopter that shows up for one panel to be a punchline, and then I think it's going to be like, this again. isn't going to be good enough. <laughs> no. I think it's a reference to uh, the Thanos copter, which I'm not making up. At one point, Thanos just had, it was just a helicopter with Thanos printed on the side. That's great. So I think that's a shot at that, but I could do Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's so, a lot of weird, dumb superhero vehicles that just, like, you got the Batmobile, really and then there's all these other, like, I, I can imagine. I don't know. I thought yeah. Squirrel League was good, though. I this is something that I appreciate <laughs> about, like, comics, is it is a medium where you can do, like, a one-off, gigantic prop thing like this, and mm-hmm. it doesn't ever yeah. have to come back, because you didn't need a budget for set You have no prop. budget. You just yeah. drew it. Exactly. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> you just said to Erica Henderson, hey, do we have room for a dumb panel? On, on page seven. <laughs> what's, you, what's our dumb just, panel quota looking like right now? It's gotta be so big! <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole comic, actually. <laughs> it's like you look at their budget and it's like dumb panels, walnuts, <laughs> like mm-hmm. tail combs. And that's it. <laughs> God. So, yeah, I think about that shit all the time, though. Like, we were watching, uh, we're rewatching Fargo right now in anticipation of the new season, which uh, is delayed because of plague. But, like, there's a bit where, like, they're, they're scanning and you see Patrick Wilson and, you know, the actors playing his family and there's, like, f- framed photos on the walls. And I always see shit like that. And I think they had to take those pictures. Like, they had to take and physically develop those. Like, they probably spent a day taking all the family photos. And the, the prop work like that, you're right. It's it's a huge consideration. You couldn't get away with this gig, with this gig gag, this squirrel gag yeah. in a, well, in to a be live fair, action. I was in a short film one time that literally, I was not in it in it i had no lines i never was on a moving camera i was literally like a part of they needed like a german scientist in an old family <laughs> photograph and yeah. they just asked me to come in to be in an Andrew. old family photograph <laughs> right but awesome. that took it was like a two-hour photo shoot for that day for just like a photograph that was going to be in the background of several shots like that's all it was that's wild so yeah it's that a is thing the wildest shit and that well, and that photo has to be somewhere, right? Like that's in somebody's yeah. closet somewhere. That doesn't no, just it get was thrown away. Hundred percent, it's still there do. somewhere. Someone still has it. They should have given you a copy. I would ask good. for a copy. I bet that's hilarious. I don't think <laughs> that makes. I don't me think happy. I looked very good. <laughs> if you, well, I mean, yeah, you were playing a German scientist. If you can track that, de- that wasn't me being mean. That was a joke that didn't land. Um, if you can track a copy <laughs> of that down, or have someone like send you, I will post it on the Twitter because I think the people need to see. <laughs> <laughs> I will do what I can. I don't know. I'm not even sure if I'm in touch with the director anymore. I'll see what I can Fair. do, though. 
This was like six years ago at this point. Scoff. I'd like, I right. took an entire like hour and a half trip down to Prospect Park just to do a two-hour photo shoot to be in a picture in a movie. <laughs> that's the life of an that's... actor, guys. It's not glamorous. Yeah. <laughs> no. That is that is on brand and also the strongest argument against becoming an actor I think I've ever heard in my life. I still remember I, when I first moved to New York. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent now, but no, like no. I first moved this to New York. This is your Star Trek. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I did my, like, the next year I did a trip back to college to go see their first show they were putting up because I had friends that I wanted to, like, support. So I rented a car and drove back to my school. And, like... Everyone just kept, all of the students were coming up to me. They were like, Andrew, how's New York? They had like stars in their eyes. They were so excited because they were planning their trips to New York. And I looked at all of them and was like, don't do it. Stay away. <laughs> Save yourselves. Sad. Yeah. Don't be like me, kid. Yeah. <laughs> don't make That's the mistakes I made. <laughs> a year in, I was already like, I had a smoker's cough and everything. <laughs> just from Not from smoking, just from the, yeah, just from the yeah, air. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> from the general air. Uh, Jim Croce famously wrote only about two things. He wrote heartbreaking ballads of love and loss, and he wrote songs about gangs. <laughs> and that's about it. But he did slip a few other odd ones in there, and there's one called New York's Not My Home, which is just like, it is kind of this sad, melancholic thing about how he's been there a year, and he's never once felt at home, and he misses his, and all this stuff. And I'm like, like Jim, you can just go home. It's okay. Like, I don't think... <laughs> Nobody's gonna blame you. Yeah, I don't think anyone's forcing you to stay in New York at gunpoint, Jim Croce. Well, you don't know. You don't know his life. Fair enough. Maybe it was quarantined. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm forced to stay in New York at gunpoint right now. <laughs> he might still be with us to this day. So, the Squirrel gig not being a practical option for lunar travel, uh, they go to their plan B, which is also ridiculous, um, steal an Iron Man suit. He's got a lot of them. Is yeah, he's got to have plenty. Come on. Score girl said steal from he's, the rich. <laughs> he's got them to spare. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, for real. Um, Which is apparently okay, because Squirrel Girl is, by her own admission, not admission, her own assertion, rather, right. uh, Tony's fighting pard, <laughs> which is a claim that seems spurious on the face of it. And honestly, no matter how much evidence we're presented, it just gets less and less likely and convincing, mm -hmm. but still seems to be true right. somehow. Well, I mean, you look at the the face and the, the makeup choices she's making in that 16-year-old yeah. panel of her. How could you not <laughs> make her true. your fighting part, honestly? Absolutely. So we are treated to a flashback. Uh, it's just a one-panel thing where, where Doreen in, as Andrew says, like like giant, almost like Harlequin clown, like mm. eye eye diamonds makeup saying I'm gonna be your fighting pard okay and then old style like tin can Iron Man saying remember this well Doreen I'm gonna say no for some reason but secretly I really want to say yes <laughs> we, and it's, it's weird because like this clearly feels her like, interpretation of events yeah this feels like an edited memory Doreen <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah but which later seems vindicated, which I, I don't know. We'll, we'll get right? to that. Like, okay. what is the truth? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because, yeah. well, I mean, we're given to doubt Doreen for a moment. Like, is she is she so positive because she just convinces herself that, like, she's always the good guy? Or she's a little delusional. <laughs> exactly. Right. But what does that even mean in a world like this? <laughs> I would say, though, like, in terms of, like, this being said in the real world, the delusional people in this world are the happiest. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> just don't worry about it. It all tracks. I mean, we 
we have watched our country not not to i was just listening to the greatest generation today and they're talking about how every podcast is going to have like the covid episode where they talk mm-hmm. about it and it's we i not i mean what are we supposed to do not it's pretty wild <laughs> yeah um like our country has ground to a halt in the past week and a half um just because it simply cannot function with what's happening. And, like, I can't imagine adding, oh, yeah, we know for a fact there are aliens, and a lot of them want to kill us. And, oh, yeah, there are dudes with superpowers and absolutely no way to control them. We kind of just have to hope they don't set us on fire. Yeah, (laughs) no, I definitely had this thought, like, in the shower today where I was like, what if another disaster happened in the midst of this? And I was like, you stop this train of thought right now because that is unhealthy. (laughs) Uh -uh. Don't don't water them seeds. They ain't been planted yet. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of discourse on Twitter about, like, guys, if you do, like, yearly prep for whatever your area's disasters are, your floods and tornadoes and similar, you should definitely still do that. Because, like, yeah. they aren't going to, like, a tornado isn't going to come up and be like, oh, they've had a hard <laughs> day, I'll just... Oh, I was going to come in, but coronavirus is here, so I'll just Rain hold check. off. <laughs> exactly. Real we'll hit the snooze bad. button on my tornado for today. No, I don't know why my tornado. Right you know what? My tornado is now Carol Channing, and this is going to be a recurring character on this map. <laughs> yes, please. I'm here for it. I'm a sucker for the recurring bits. Okay, Carol Channing, the tornado. So uh, they head to Avengers slash Stark Tower. Doreen literally breaks it like she cuts a circle of glass out with her squirrel claws. Unnecessary. Tony Stark and, isn't uh, there. Like, you understand. <laughs> you know, I, I think no. if there's anyone he's gonna, who would He's going to come home massive. to a circle out of his window and just be like, here's probably Squirrel Girl. It's fine. She's my yeah. fighting pard. <laughs> my fighting pard. <laughs> Which uh. is also great because I think the implication is that, like, uh, I think at the end of this trade, we actually get the issue of Iron Man she premiered in in, like, the early 90s. It's bad. It's real bad. But, like... I think they tried to make her sort of, like, folksy, and I, I think fighting Pard was, like, indicative of the, oh, yeah. the sort of vernacular they tried to give her. Like she was, and like, from the country or something. So hard, because yeah. she's like, Frig! And the friggin' mm-hmm. moon! And then <laughs> fighting Pard. Very good. Anyway, so uh, she crushes up some walnuts, as we have all done of a time, and throws them to reveal... Um, lasers a laser grid and we are treated to a demonstration of her squirrel agility abilities mm-hmm. which um led to my favorite undertext of the entire issue which was as my aunt benjamina used to say with great squirrel girl agility ability comes great squirrel girl agility responsibility <laughs> <laughs> yeah i couldn't decide whether to laugh or face palm so i just did both <laughs> both laugh. You just the best jokes uh, get you to do both. Benjamin, it's true though. Yeah, I also I... like that she used a nutcracker. Like she didn't just you like she has a lot of strength, but she still had to use it's a true. nutcracker to crack a walnut. Like you can't just crack a walnut, even if you're a squirrel. No, girl, you need that's help. insane. No, <laughs> don't do that. There's, there's every no, there's squirrel has a nice pocket ball. nutcracker. We know. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, they just keep it in their pouch. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're basically kangaroos, right? Yeah, right, man. <laughs> 
I want a utility belt, you guys. Like, real bad. I always have. You I mean, can. you can just, like, attach pouches to a belt. No one's They're stopping you. <laughs> I feel like society is. We're all Don't in quarantine. Society everyone's tell you busting what you do. out. Exactly. Everyone's busting out their weird outfits. <laughs> if I yeah, can have a true. terrible beard right now, you can have a you utility belt. You can have belt. a utility belt. Well, Andrew, you'd have to have a terrible beard for that to be true. <laughs> I do. It's okay. <laughs> I, okay this is my positive self talk. <laughs> I was going to say, thanks for just. Thanks for just back, just taking the compliment and just like one of those, one of those mini paddle ball games from when we were kids with the clear plastic racket. Pong. I'm so bad at <laughs> taking compliments and taking gifts. Like I do not know how to do these things. Literally, Kevin texted me today and was like, "I'm going to buy you a game because your birthday was this past weekend, and I know you can't afford things. So the next game you want, just let me know and I'll buy it for you." Aww. And I was like. You don't have to do like it's okay. You don't have to do that. And he was like, "I'm giving you a birthday gift. Shut up." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's your birthday, bro. Yeah, I get that. It's <laughs> it is difficult. How's Kevin doing? Like, I know you and Zach are like not. I mean, you're you're quarantined. But, like, is the science industry hurting? He, I, uh, I haven't actually talked to him about what his job is doing. I know he was like going in once a week for a little bit there, but now that New York sure. is straight up on pause, I imagine he is no longer doing so. Um, oh, sad. But he's very, like, it's he's a hands-on kind of scientist, so I don't know how much work sure. from home he would be able to be doing. Um, hmm. So I didn't, I haven't actually spoken to him about that since things really, really shut down. We were kind of checking in before that, and then since then it's just been, like, how are you emotionally, as opposed to, like, how are you right. job-wise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because, like, we know, we know how everyone else is. Everyone else is terrified and unsure of whether they're going to have a job in the next week. Like, we yeah. don't need to talk about logistics. It's fine. Yeah. He's holding yeah. up, and he's, oh, my God, he started watching Survivor. I have something oh. else to talk about Survivor yes. with. I've never been happier in my life. <laughs> it's, well, because now, now you have him and Liz Layton. Mm-hmm. So, between mm-hmm. all of that. And Zach stuff. is saying he's going to watch it, too. And I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Zach's opinions on Survivor are going to be a thing of beauty, and I think he's oh. probably going to need to tweet them. <laughs> oh, almost definitely. I, I don't understand Survivor. Uh, I watch it with my missus because I am a good husband, or I try to be. And, like, occasionally, there was a season a couple seasons ago where it was, like, it was like really clean, honorable gameplay, and, like, everything was pretty above board. And there wasn't this weird, nebulous metagaming nonsense that really confuses me about, like, triple-double backstabs and, aha, secret alliance. Like, I don't get that shit. <laughs> I, I need there to be mechanics. For, it's like, it's weird, the... because you'll also you'll get the people, the players that come in, and they're like, I'm playing with honor and integrity. It's like, get over it. You're going to lie to somebody. Like, that's just what yeah. happens in this game. Like, shut up and stop. <laughs> so it's there are so many different levels of it at this point that it's like, it's almost a parody of itself, and I love it for that. <laughs> that's fair. It lived long enough to see itself become the villain. Oh, absolutely. So she goes flippity-whippity through the laser grid, as we all do on our daily commutes, and... uh <laughs> She she talks about her squirrel girl agility abilities and her text is upside down because she is and that made me really happy. I hated it because I couldn't read it. <laughs> I just enough. didn't. I tried to read it for like a minute and my brain was just like, no, you're not you're not getting this information. I'm sorry, buddy. And so I didn't. <laughs> I definitely That's will reasonable. fully admit that I flipped the iPad and the picture flipped with me and I was like, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I tried to do, and then I realized the orientation feature was smarter than me, so I just read it upside down. Uh, Yeah, I literally flipped my... I think I did a full head flip in my bed when I read it the first time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Dorian meets two sentry robot suits, 
and tricks them into blasting each other, uh, but then a whole bunch more arrive and kick her unceremoniously out. But twas a ruse, for in fact the entire time, Tippy Toe and Co. were uh, swiping suit parts and uh, pulled off uh, what I think we can safely call the Iron Heist. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she brings them out, and, and like, they, they've brought her, like, like seven suits worth of parts which makes me really happy some of this has to work right (laughs) they're squirrels how are they supposed to know (laughs) they don't know they just just grab whatever they saw right (laughs) exactly everything they could get a hold of uh the helmet initially won't allow her access until she says the three words that allegedly tony stark told her were all she'd ever need to say in order to get his help victor von doom ship and this is interesting and also confusing, because it seems to lend legitimacy to her claim that she is Tony's fighting pard. Yeah. Which... Is this is Victor Von Doomship a reference to something that I don't know? Uh not not as of where we are right now. So it's then something... it's just there. <laughs> it, it will it will make sense. You okay. will see. Okay. Um, it's very dumb, but in a fun way that makes fun of itself. So that's good. All right. And so the suits activate, they allow her entry, and they assemble into an iron squirrel suit, which is very good. And I the don't know tail guys... is by far the best part of this suit. Yeah. The tail's incredible. <laughs> it's huge. And I don't know if you guys read any of the backwards uh any of the backwards readouts on her on her helmet visor. But there were there were a few of them and they were a lot of fun. But the only one I cared about Oh, we totally skipped over my favorite panel in the whole comic, which was uh, where she's talking about um, her phone, <laughs> and you know, oh, and you know what phones do? You know what my phone does? Only crash all the freaking time. <laughs> Just like yes. her face it's in true. that panel is like really simplified and angry looking too, which is amazing. I love it. I want a screenshot of that. Like just zoomed in on her face. It's really good. That was my favorite bit. <laughs> So yeah, I don't know if you guys read any of the backwards uh, information being projected in the visor when it finally starts working for her, uh, but the Could one be. I caught was body scan, 98% curvier than Stark baseline. Yeah, I did like that. <laughs> Very good. Mm. So anyway, we've got Iron Squirrel and also Tippy Toe in a very upsetting, like, helmet <laughs> it's, it's I was really wondering how they were going to get the squirrel into the suit. I was like, I don't like it yeah. one bit. No, it's no, sir. Much it's like a else. really wrong, messed up octopus <laughs> robot, whatever. It's real bad. Uh, and like, I can't, I can't imagine, because like with the final podlum, we've had people tell us that we're fun to listen to, even if they haven't read the story, which is very sweet of them to say, and hopefully implies that we're good at doing our jobs. But like, this is, this is a visual medium, so I can't mm-hmm. imagine anyone would be listening to this without reading the issue, but on the off chance. Please look so it picture, up. <laughs> picture an iron, picture an Iron Man helmet. You know the one. Hot Rod Red over the gold aluminum. It was everywhere in 2008, and it still is to this day. And like... From the bottom of that helmet emerges an arm, <laughs> like an Iron Man arm. It's like a little wrist, it, and then the hand are like the squirrel's feet. I assume. Yeah, really it's like upsetting. just a little more of the wrist than you want. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then all the fingers. It's like a piano player that's trying to reach like two notes over the octave, and they only have yeah. one note over the octave. Actual hand reach. Like it's, it's just so funny. wrong. It is. It's an upsetting wrist ratio. We'll have to we'll have to post a picture. Anyway, so 
let's go to the friggin' moon. But uh-oh, Whiplash has other ideas, besides being a really disappointing role for Mickey Rourke, especially considering what he had just done in The Wrestler just the year before, completely resurrecting <laughs> his career after destroying it with drugs and alcohol over the course of the 90s. And it seems like when he had done such good work with Darren Aronofsky, they could hire him for an Iron Man movie and be like, wait, let's make him a good character. But instead, uh, they did not. And they made him obsessed with his bird I really I hate Iron Man 2, like, a understood lot. understood most of that. <laughs> <laughs> right Iron up Man 2 is end. a really bad movie. That's, that's, that's the I believe it. <laughs> I always love the first one, so I guess I'm good. <laughs> that's fair. I guess I'm good on I have not no, seen he... any Iron Man movies, so here I am. Really? Yeah. yeah that's fair. I don't Andrew's like best Iron of all Man of us. <laughs> as a hero, and so that's I didn't reasonable. go to those. I was like, yeah. I prefer Captain America. So don't I went all? to those movies Andrew's and got I skipped taste. the rest of them. I mean, yeah, we all knew that. Andrew likes blondes. <laughs> yes. You don't watch the Iron Mans for the Iron Man. You watch the Iron Mans for the Tony Stark. Sure. It was not honestly until the last couple Avengers movies that I even started to appreciate Tony Stark, though. Yeah. Like, I just was kind of over him. Like, That's Civil fair. War was, like, a hard thing for me to feel good about both sides, because I was like, no, I would take Cap's side, because he's prettier, and <laughs> I like him more as a character. Civil War was hard to like on a lot of levels, because, like, number one, the marketing was all... The, the marketing made you think one of them was actually going to kill the other, and I don't yeah. think anyone believed that was going to happen. <laughs> and no. also... Well, especially not when you have, like, contracts signed for more movies. <laughs> exactly. But, and also, they, they spent the whole thing leading up to, like, we found six more Winter Soldiers. Oops, we killed them all. Never mind. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Whiplash uh, uses his whippies to uh, grab Squirrel Girl and yoink her down out the sky. Not just yoink her down, but as the readouts inside the helmet indicate, like, fry her systems just as she was about to head to the friggin' moon for her mm -hmm. contretemps with Rude. Galactus. Yeah. <laughs> so, next month, Galactus and Whiplash versus a woman in a robot suit she borrowed. <laughs> with a tail <laughs> on it. Which made me happy. Yeah. yeah. So that's issue two. Um, not a lot actually happens, but it's some good setup. No. And it's... <laughs> It's some good world building. It's full of it's world good... building and dumb panels, and that's what you need yes. to make a good issue. <laughs> exactly. It fleshes out a lot of the flavor of the world. We get a lot of fun clubs, uh, like my favorite, uh, Short Bludgeoning Staff Club, or Club Club. <laughs> club Club. <laughs> yeah. It's very club good. Club Club. <laughs> and there's, there's a sign outside uh, Tony Stark's Iron Man suit repository that says, admittance to Tony Stark only, no, Skrull duplicates absolutely do not count. Which is, I think, a reference to a time, like, there was a big reveal where, like, Tony had been a Skrull clone, like, for, like, the past six months in World or some shit. I don't know. It's, I think mm. it was a, a goof em up on the idea that, like, a, a copy could get past those defenses. I don't know. Anyway, it was funny, and it made me happy. Nice. I'm glad you explained that, because I also absolutely did not get it but uh yeah that's good it, it wasn't i i don't think it was anything much to get i think they just saw a lot of blank space and were like what kind of goof can we put here mm. <laughs> yeah so gentlemen did you find yourself anyone deserving of your huxtable awards the award we give to any character or situation or sandwich that we feel is especially good or wholesome or deserving of recognition um honestly hmm. um the squirrely gig <laughs> 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 my huxtable goes Fair to the squirrely gig all right Fair enough especially knowing that this is its only role in the entire thing yeah yep. absolutely 
I'll have our accountant add it to the to the spreadsheet of Huxtables. Um, let me see. I don't know. Nothing really came to mind. Uh, I'm trying to like look back over the. So are all these things robots that she's fighting? <laughs> They're all robots. Those They're not all... dudes. Correct. They they are empty automated Iron Man. All suits. right. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll give it to one of them. Doesn't matter which one. They're doing their job. Fair enough. <laughs> robots never well, get They are robots. doing their job. Good job, <laughs> robots. Yeah. They tried real hard. It's not their they fault did. they're dumb and crash like a phone all the friggin' time. <laughs> um, there was another uh, undertext that I only half remember, but it's, it's after she says they crash all the friggin' time, and then it says, Now these robots act just like my phone. Stop working after I drop them in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was very good. Uh, My Huxtable is going to go to uh, there's a there's a panel on page thirty one. It's well of the of the omnibus edition, which is what we're reading, not mm-hmm. the, the the trade. But there's a bit. Tomas is talking to a dude for like two or three panels when he's just walking around in mm-hmm. the uh, in the club scene. And er, the, not the club scene. That's a different the club scene. <laughs> <The> scene <laughs> with all when Tomas is just hanging in the club. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and he's he's this dude in like a like sort of a salmon colored sweater almost. I don't know. It's kind of a goldy peachy color, but they're like talking and then Tomas just like straight cold ditches him to get chatted up by Doreen. <laughs> oh, and he reacts too. I just found this. Oh man. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah, it's right there on page 31 and he has what I would I saved the picture in case I needed to send it to you guys through the Yeah, Discord. send it to me. But okay, but he has this face that just essentially is is him him saying the frig tomas <laughs> let's see yeah it's Here, pretty I'll excellent send that through send upload through the magic of discord we are so sharing your award to that guy for just getting ditched so oh, yeah. abruptly <laughs> yeah that guy gets that guy gets my huxtable for like going with his bro to the club scene to check out the stupid fencing club that he probably didn't even care about and uh mm-hmm. just immediately getting ditched because a dame, because Sally McAwesome Legs walked up and started <laughs> chatting to Tomas, who is allegedly a super hunk or mega hunk, according to Doreen. I don't know. Mm-hmm. How hunky do Which we Which is not as good as a hyper hunk. It's not. Wait, it goes hyper hunk, that, uh, mega footnote. hunk, regular hunk, mini hunk, There's and then a scale. I think nano hunk. Nano hunk. Yeah, yeah, there is a scale. I, they're all hunks, though, so I guess that is... Yeah, that's like, it's a win no matter what. Qualify. Well, I mean, he's so, tall and he looks fit, so I guess maybe that's why he, you know falls that could on be the, there on the scale yeah <laughs> those are hunk factors yeah. yeah yeah so and the the squirrel gig uh does get my sub huxtable which is a new thing i'm inventing on the spot because it just wanted to be useful not yeah. a punchline. i also think <laughs> anything anything that is uh forwarding the great art of prop comedy deserves recognition so that's oh, fair yeah yeah oh, yeah it was a good goof and i'm glad they did it so Huxtable's done. It now comes to the time of the show where we agree collaboratively upon a new Squirrel Scout badge to add to our sashes. Does anyone have anything they think deserves to be immortalized on a badge? I've got some ideas here. If not... Um... Let's start from your ideas. What do you have? Let's start from my ideas. Okay. I've got the Squirrel Agility Ability Responsibility Badge. Because it's not enough to have the Squirrel Ability, the Squirrel Agility Ability. You have to be responsible with it. Yeah. You gotta earn that. It's not just something that's handed out. I've got your Laser Grid Navigation Badge, which I thought was pretty good. Mm -hmm. 
But I would argue that those are the same badge, just one has a better name than the other one. <laughs> That's fair. And the the fighting pard badge, which <laughs> mm-hmm. you have to earn you have to earn via unexplained and confusingly referenced events in the past. <laughs> <laughs> those but are all so one. good. Um I like I like the uh, ability agility. Just it's got a, such good. a good ring to it. Yeah, Andrew, do we have consensus? <laughs> it rolls off the tongue. It does. It does. Much like a squirrel girl through a laser grid. Very good. Episode two: <laughs> the squirrel girl agility ability responsibility badge. Artists, get on it because we did all the talking. You guys make with the colors into pretty shapes. <laughs> I was already planning to do like a really shitty rendition of the squirrel Iron Man suit thing for Twitter yes. uh, to avoid copyright because it's not actually a screenshot. It's just me, my rendition of it. I think that would like clear up. Do any... it, yeah. I think we have. To. <laughs> I think we can consult. I can consult Dylan cool. on the legality of that, but <laughs> exactly. I think we'll <laughs> yeah. local our 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 pirate laureate, right? Yeah. <laughs> How okay. do you now, feel on a scale of one to not comfortable with this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's how I make all my choices. Because <laughs> yeah. anything, anything below, like, Grand Theft Mastodon is like a two or a three, so we should probably be okay. <laughs> so, Nicholas, as I informed you last night via Twitter at, like, 1030, yeah. uh, it is <laughs> now totally your awake. turn. It was your turn to come up with a Squirrel Scout Oath unless you didn't want to or couldn't think of one. Do you have a new Squirrel Scout Oath for us this week? I love how you always assume that I'm creative and able to think up things. Uh, I'm giving you credit, pal. Even to this day. You Um, come up with like half the animal mascots on the Podplum. They just happen. I just discover them. Um... Let's see. <laughs> they're pre-existing. They're yeah, out there just they're waiting just to be there. I just... <laughs> waiting to be unearthed. I just find them and take their like picture. a statue inside a block of marble. Yeah, yeah. Nick is a Nick is a paleontologist, if nothing else. <laughs> That's fair. Um, oh man, you and Blathers are gonna get along like nothing else. I like the whole oh um something about how like Squirrel Scouts uh, never crash all the freaking time, even if they're dropped in the toilet. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really like fair that enough. one panel. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good panel, and you know what? I had I had a backup idea just in case you didn't want to or couldn't think of one. I'm gonna throw it away in favor of yours. Oh, all right, because yours, yours is, is probably better. better. But go ahead. Nope, absolutely not. <laughs> a, a squirrel scout perseveres exactly like a phone doesn't, or some robots. Continuing our theme of positive self-talk here. We're doing great, guys. Exactly. Yeah, we really are. We're doing a good job. You know what? We're having a lot of fun making a thing, and I think that means we're doing a good job. I would would get behind that. Absolutely. So, next week, uh, I mean, in theory, we're going to meet Galactus. We thought that was going to be this week, but... (laughs) um, So, next time, at least we'll see what's up with Whiplash, who's got, like, a metal dog face going on. Yeah, which is sick. pretty good, and oh, also that's some really rude boys. to say. <laughs> no, his his it, no, it's a do, it's a dog. Fit. Nicholas, what's going on here? Oh, what did you it's, just send it's us? the it's the um, it's a whole screenshot because I don't know how to crop it. It's the it's the panel I keep talking about. Uh, no, I know panel. the one. Yeah. yeah, the art the art is a lot of fun. Yeah, Erica Henderson was the artist for the first I want to say ten volumes of twelve, and then the last couple someone new came in. And it's not that it's not good art; it's just not what I was used to, and mm-hmm. that's always tough, always. Mm-hmm. 
but sure. yeah it is uh, there's a surprising amount of like malleability and plasticity to the designs uh that because like in the very beginning when 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 doreen is dragging nancy off like she does a weird like angled thing and something happens with her teeth i i don't know exactly but it's this like stylized version of her face uh and it made me very happy yeah but no so next week uh issue three we'll see what's going on oh and our final thing um do you gentlemen have anything you would like to point out any works from uh, an underrepresented creator of color or female author or lgbtq plus creator i know andrew and i are uh both chomping down on nk jemison's the city we became aren't we pal? i don't have it yet <laughs> buddy <laughs> <laughs> i don't have money what do you want i'm unemployed <laughs> that's fair i'm just that's asking reasonable. i'm just asking very like i've asked various family members to get it for me for my birthday so i imagine it's probably uh shipping to me mm-hmm. um because my birthday was last weekend so i hope it's on its way soon um <laughs> i asked reasonable. several people i might be getting several copies who knows what'll happen you can that, do that's what always happens when I ask room. a bunch of people. Either I get yep. four copies or none, and then I have to buy it myself, and there's never any of it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Are you but... a physical bookman, Andrew? Yes. Really? Very, very much so. <laughs> I like huh. the smell of paper in my hands, and yeah. I love getting a good paper cut just because it reminds me I'm alive. <laughs> there you go. You gotta you gotta spill a little blood on the book to really make the magic happen. Absolutely, exactly. <laughs> much like, yeah, much like the Tree of Liberty, a good a good book must occasionally be watered with the. Uh, no, I the actually blood legitimately. I mean, of course, I legitimately think it's because, like, as a person who plays a lot of video games and does a lot of computer things, and like a lot of my stuff that I even work on in music, I do with like computer software now. So like almost nothing right. is not on a screen. So I get that. I want one thing to not be on a screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's, totally that's right. Reasonable. That's me. That's me too. For sure. Like I really only use my Kindle if I literally cannot find a physical copy or if like it's not mm-hmm. in print anymore or something like right. that. And I have to read the book. Right. Uh, like right it, now, if I want to yeah. take books out of the library, sure. I'll bust that out. Like fine. Cause mm-hmm. the library is not physically open. Yeah, but right. um, I always prefer paper. Mm-hmm. That's reasonable. I had gotten way out of the habit and divested myself of almost my, all of my physical books when we moved, um, and I've just recently started getting back into. Because a thing, a thing I've learned is that part of growing up is just buying your favorite books and movies over and over again as they become available on new platforms. Yeah. So <laughs> I yep. I owned I own all of the Dresden files in paperback and then I owned them all on the Nook because I thought surely the Nook is the wave of the future. Surely. <laughs> right. Barnes and Noble's proprietary digital book great. platform. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I must have read too much like Ray Bradbury or something because I'm convinced that at some point in the future all of the things that are digital are going to... Something's going to like corrupt the internet or if the internet's ever inaccessible and we're only going to have like physical copies of books and information so i have to like so like i write all my journals and i you know make sure i have physical copies of all the books that i read even if i read a digital copy and it's i don't know it's not like i'm sure a good my note cards for these stories that i write my note cards are physical note cards like i do not that's not all digital because i don't want to lose it Just to That's be totally fair. You never know. Well, and that occurs to me as you say it that, like, yeah, I, it has never occurred to me to do any digital journaling, even though I'm an Evernote man and have been for for years. It never occurred to me to keep anything other than a physical journal because, I mean, half the point is having a sexy book to right. put your thinkums in. <laughs> yeah, Obviously. and writing's fun. Like the physical act of writing is fun to me. It is, and there's so few opportunities to do it anymore, any, anywhere. Yeah, like yeah. even yeah, even right. in school, like 
you know a lot of people are just taking notes on their laptops and it's you yeah. you, you do re- actually remember things better when you write them down but obviously if you don't have a if you don't have options or and and, and different methods work better for different people so but i wonder i have wondered if that's i mean because that's that's broadly speaking it is objectively true that you remember things if you if you write them but i wonder if that's because people learn to write before they learn to type like if if typing was your first was your first method for the concept of this is how i record language or written language anyway i don't Mm -hmm. know that could impact it but i would also argue probably that because the muscle usage to write Fair. a letter is more than a keystroke and you have to consciously think about the letter you're writing that mm-hmm. I, I don't know that that's going to completely offset that you know mm-hmm. point because it's, it's the muscle right. relation to like if you have somatic relation to a, a cerebral thing it naturally right. just like an anchor it. in the physical world yeah, yeah. Well, uh, um, leading back just a little bit, I've I've been oh, yeah. We re- completely <laughs> derailed the segment. <laughs> well, no, we did. It's a good segment, but I found I found a hook around. Um, I have actually been buying just like nice to have editions of like a few books that are very special to me. Like a special sexy edition of Dune just came out with mm. uh, with blue pages. I got a really nice um, hardcover copy of uh, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, which was one of my favorite mm. books ever. And I got the 40th anniversary edition of A Confederacy of Dunces by John Kennedy Toole, which is what I'm going to recommend today. We recommended N.K. Jessamine and The City We Became last week, which is still what we're recommending. Read that shit. It's 100%. real good. It's literally, listeners, literally Cthulhu punches New York and New York punches back. It's <laughs> That is not a metaphor. It's wild. Um, but A Confederacy of Dunces is the funniest book ever written. Um and it's not even in a like lol jokes way, but in kind of an arrested development, the whole thing is one big clockwork joke kind of way. Uh, and I'm recommending it because although it was written by a white dude, uh, it was written by a white dude in the sixties who did not get his mental health together. And unfortunately uh, took his own life before he was ever able to get it published. And his mother, God bless her, took the manuscript from among his things. And for 10 years, walked from publisher to publisher saying you have to read this book my son wrote because Aww. not getting it published is is what killed him that's and adorable they, oh it God. is and i mean in a sad way the, but like, mom of the well, year yeah. they turned her down <laughs> right. and turned her down and said no he's nobody and he's not here there's no, we're not going to read it and the the person who eventually said yeah fine i'll read this just so i i don't have this widow on my conscience this one this dead or mom orphan morph what is it called when you're a parent who's child? Because if you're a child I, and your parents die, you're an orphan. Sad. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there is <laughs> actually a term I don't know, I don't know if there's a term. Yeah. Porphan, because you're parents. Anyway. I don't know. Um, finally took a read and, and recognized that it is it is a masterpiece of, of comedy and language. So go read A Confederacy of Dunces. It's real good. Um, yeah. I, mine is less. So it's not the creator of a thing, and it's going to be very specifically niche. Um, sure. And it's only something I've talked about really recently as like how it impacted me personally. But Mm -hmm. um, so there is a game called The Outer Worlds. It came out last year. Um, It's on Xbox Game Pass. If you want to play it, I believe it's never leaving Game Pass. So like play it on the Xbox, but it's also on other systems. So do it wherever. Um, It's an excellent game. It's like a really fun game. It's essentially Fallout in space. If you've ever played a Fallout game, it's very much that. Uh, but like I got into it much more easily than I got into the fallout games. So I Mm -hmm. would posit it's better at least for me as a game. Right. 
Um, but what I want to shout out in it, so there is already, like, there's a character in it. She is your first companion character that you come across. Her name is Parvati. She mm-hmm. is, like, uh, I don't know if they ever actually specifically, but she's basically, she's, like, black or Indian or some, she's definitely a woman of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, you find out in the course of it that she's also a lesbian. Like, these are the first couple of things you find out about her. And I'm like, oh, my God, my first companion. <laughs> is a person of color and LGBT. This is amazing. Everything I could have asked for. Right. Um, So you have that start. Mm -hmm. And then she's just freaking adorable. She's so sweet. (laughs) She's from like this like backwater planet that kind of like got ignored a little bit in the running of the colony. And so she's got sort of that like rustic country just feel to her Mm -hmm. while also Mm -hmm. being incredibly naive and like starry eyed at like the bigness of the world. She's an engineer and like you take her on your spaceship and she's just like, Oh my God, it's a giant spaceship. She's like freaking out. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) she's also, uh, she's voiced by Ashley Birch, who is a woman of color. Her mother, I believe is from Thailand. I think an immigrant Mm -hmm. from Thailand, somewhere Southeast Asia. Um, and is a fantastic voice actress and does so much justice to this character. So there's that shout out there. But the amazing thing about Parvati is you get to a bigger space station and you have a quest where you're dealing with the head engineer in that space station who is this uh, woman named Junlei. And she has you go on like all these quests. And as you get back to the ship, Parvati kind of calls you over and in this like really beautifully written way just does this like, um, so, like, I think, I think I might be interested in her. <laughs> like, does this whole, and it launches you into this quest where you are essentially her confidant as she attempts to figure out how to navigate starting a romance <laughs> with Tridley. Oh, that's so very it's good. absolutely you be precious. her wingman? You are kind of the wingman. You are the wingman and her personal confidant. And she's kind of like, Junli so wrote me a poem, but I'm not sure if she's interested. I'm like, girl, she wrote you a poem. She <laughs> <laughs> kind of yeah, thing. I and you have lots of dialogue options as you go through this. And then it, halfway through, it blossomed in a way I didn't even expect. Um, mm. You have this conversation with Parvati in a bar where she's just trying to kind of work up the courage here. And as you're mm-hmm. sitting down talking to her, she says something about, I don't remember the exact line. It's really beautifully written, but generally mm-hmm. the idea is, so I just, I'm worried because I don't, I want, like, essentially she says she wants emotional intimacy with Junlei, but not sexual intimacy. Like, that is not mm-hmm. a thing that she's interested in. Mm-hmm. And she's worried about how to communicate that to somebody. And, like, mm-hmm. my obvious thing was, like, just, like, talk to her about that. Like, <laughs> you s- communicate and, like, say that. Right. But it then hit me, and I was like, I just watched the writing of an asexual lesbian character in a way that I have literally never seen in a piece of media huh. ever. Mm-hmm. Not That's once. amazing. Wow. And it was so wonderfully done and so perfectly representative of a lot of things that I've felt that this was the beginning of me realizing that I was asexual. Like this mm-hmm. is how wow. much it impacted me. Um, just like they wrote it so well, the actress did such a good job with it. And and here we are. I finally saw like my first ace character in media and had realizations about myself. That's so beautiful. like that's what guided me there. And so I think if you have not given the Outer Worlds a shot, it has a lot of good to it and a lot of heart that's to fantastic. it. And um represents people in ways that I haven't seen done before. So Oh my god. I have to check that out. That yeah, so I remember <laughs> you guys uh over at GGGG uh press F um <laughs> did an episode 
RSVP, uh, did an episode and made it sound fantastic. And, like, it was Fallout minus the depressing nature and color palette. Um, (laughs) There's definitely still a depressive backstory, but it's much brighter. There's more people. Um, I don't know. It just it was a more fun world to live in than the mm-hmm. deserted wasteland of West Virginia that didn't do yeah. any justice to me playing or a Boston, game in West Virginia. Is the case maybe Fallout yeah. seventy six? Oh, buddy. Oh, <laughs> now, now riddle me this: How, if you have managed to do so, mm-hmm. how do you remember which is the outer worlds and which the outer wilds? I am very good at it because these are two of my absolute favorite games from last really? year. Um, Outer Wilds is another one I don't know anything about like I don't know if there's like representation in the right. creative team for it but it's also a beautiful game um, nice. The Outer Wilds is a completely different thing You, strangely enough you also start on a rustic planet sure <laughs> um, but The Outer Wilds you're basically playing as an alien and the entire thing is just like it's your launch day you're going into space and then you just launch off in a spaceship and you can go to whichever planet you want and you can do whatever you want. It gives you no, like, mission objectives. It doesn't have a clear thing. But as you go from planet to planet, you start to find, like, pieces of, like, this extinct race of aliens. They've left Ooh. off, like, little like little writings in their ruins or little things that reveal yes, themselves. And you God, also see, like... it to my veins. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, each planet is reacting as things go. Like, as this one planet is orbiting the sun, there's ash that is being gravitationally pulled from one planet to the other. So, like, this one planet you need to go to early or it's going to be covered in ash and you won't be able to get deeper into the surface, but then you'll be able to get into underground caves on the other planet later on. So there's lots of cool, just, like, the world building is so brilliant and so insane in this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then every 22 minutes, the sun goes supernova and everything dies. But... Oh, you come back BT and dubs. because of a thing that the ancient like the it's a it's a complex scenario. But basically, you retain all your memories and you are just okay. essentially reborn. So every twenty two minutes of real time, you have to start over, and you can fly to a new planet the next time. And so you essentially just have to wander through a solar system, explore ancient ruins, and piece a puzzle together to figure out what you're even doing in that game. That sounds and delightful. Because both of these yeah. games were such impactful experiences on me, but in very different ways. Like, one is a really beautiful narrative in a greatly built world, whereas another one is essentially a narrative that I built myself. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever really had trouble keeping the two straight. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. That's super Because cool. I, yeah. I never know which one anyone is talking about until If it's a 2019 start... game and it has outer in its name, and the second word starts with a W, I recommend it wholeheartedly. Doesn't matter <laughs> which one. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of video games, the uh, Bravely Default 2 demo just right. dropped uh, in the Switch eShop, and it is so pretty. It's um, very pretty. It's so pretty. Like, the, the Final Fantasy nine ish aesthetic has always been the thing about the Bravely games, and, like, Bravely Second was fine. It was definitely more of the first game um, in a way that I couldn't say I especially loved or needed. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely played it. It was fine. But uh, yeah, Bravely Default 2 feels like it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And um, I've just been playing that that demo, just grinding and maxing out. You give me a job class system, I'm just going to oh, just chomp it up. Just feed me the little bits. Make, it, make the I'm number in. go up. It's so good. Nicholas, what about you? You got anything to recommend? Do you have a piece of media you're enjoying? Or a piece of... Um... <laughs> I don't know. I I haven't had the mind space to 
absorb any new content. That's fair. Uh, recently, you you recommend this tree you like? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I kind of wanna. Um, let's see. I'm looking at my. <laughs> sorry, I'm looking at my bookshelf here. I recommend uh, my golem poster. The, <laughs> The, um, I recommend Andy Circus in general. <laughs> just in general, as a person. There, there was a there was a Sherlock Holmes related book that I mentioned on the final Podblum, uh, I think once, uh, and I guess I'll bring it up again because uh, she is a female author and one of my favorite uh, writers mm. for uh, the character of Sherlock Holmes. The book it's it's Lindsay Fay. Uh, the whole art of detection. Shadow? Dustin Shadow oh. was the first book that she came out with, uh, which was a Holmes novel with Jack the Ripper. Also amazing, excellent. So really it depends on, if you want to read a novel, that book's great. Uh, the Whole Art of Detection is a collection of short stories. Um, it's very, she writes very much in Conan Doyle's style, but she gets much more into the uh, emotional aspects of the characters and the personalities of Holmes and Watson and like the backstory of like relation, relational things that you don't really see that kind of like gets glanced over in the stories in favor of plot, which it makes sense. Uh, but she does a really good job of balancing really interesting mysteries and plots and genuinely like some of the best emotional interactions uh, between characters that I've uh, seen. And it's really nice. And the whole art of detection has a lot of uh, good uh, moments like that of uh, just exploring the more like, heartwarming or touching aspects of the Holmes Watson relationships uh, that you get glimpses of in the stories, but don't really get gone into very much. And mm -hmm. as a huge fan of those characters, the, uh, the way she wrote really appealed to me. And I, I, it was just really, it's really sweet and nice. And she also, uh, and also just the stories are really good too. The mysteries are really interesting and involved. And those are a short story format. So if you want to read just like little chunks at a time, uh, they're great for that. You can just pick it up, put it down. They're not really connected that much. Um, right. So, yeah, it's uh, that. That's called uh, The Whole Art of Detection by Lindsay Fay. That's Fay with an E. And, yeah, she, she's great. The books are great. Um, uh, hmm. Not, uh, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't assume that Holmes and Watson were, like, a romantic relationship or anything. It's just, it's very canonically applicable, but I, right. I don't think, I've, I've basically given up hope of ever seeing that anyone explore that ever uh but who right. knows maybe someday <laughs> but uh yeah so that's a great book and Fantastic. i highly recommend it to sherlock holmes fans go. or just people who like mysteries um it's pretty great she appeared uh she appeared once very briefly on our friend uh program the uh, Watsonian Weekly when they did a live episode, by which I mean when Brad Kefauver walked around with a microphone at the uh, Left Coast Sherlockian Symposium. Uh, oh, seriously? She, she dropped, yeah, she nice. dropped in very briefly to say hi. And like he was just literally talking to people, like saying, hey, you guys want to say hi? And, and I recognized her name, and then I realized uh, I had just heard from someone that Nick would freak out about. <laughs> so, cool. you know what? Maybe we'll make our way up to some Sherlockian whatnot yeah. sometime, and we'll meet some of these people. I remember when you said you were going to go to Robert Parrot's uh, book signing, mm -hmm. but then I think uh, like your face got stolen or something. No, no, I, I think I think I just uh, I think what happened was that I just uh, worked and also I I didn't have a car at the time when That's I had fair. planned to go I had a car and then after 
that I, I didn't anymore. So even if I had had the day off, I wouldn't have been able to sure. go, unfortunately. But, I mean, I think he does a lot of... Uh, well, he did a lot of those, and if he, if there's ever any other kind of event, I'm still going to try to go. Uh, I'll yeah. have a car again He's soon. He's a cool dude. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's go listen to the Watsonian mm-hmm. Weekly. Since the sad and lamented demise of Good Game, Great Game, uh, the Watsonian <laughs> Weekly, or Weekly Watsonian, which I'll remember one of these days. It's the real Outer Worlds, Outer Wilds of the uh, Sherlock <laughs> Holmes podcast circle. Um, anyway, they have been our uh, our oldest and most devoted podcast friends, so go listen to those cats. It's wild stuff. You can find us on Twitter at squirrel underscore scouts, which I cannot believe I was able to snag. Um, <laughs> you can please do tweet at us. Let us know who gets your Huxtable for this issue. Uh, send us your Squirrel Scout badge art. Send us what you think the Squirrel Scout oath for this issue was. And like the Squirrel Scout oaths and stuff we come up with, those aren't binding and exclusionary. You can tell us what lessons, if any, you drew. Even if it's just like, don't invest in a proprietary helicopter uh, named after yourself that's not going to be able to get you to the moon. That's not financially feasible in the long term, if only because of fuel prices. So until then, all our buddies, this is Squirrel Scout Double Dare signing off. Squirrel Scout Space Cadet signing off. Squirrel Scout Bubbles, signing off. (laughs) Squirrel Scouts, squirrel out.